Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Britain feels broken, but how do we fix it? Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers, but we have found some people who do. Join me, journalist Becca Hudson, and me, the former MP Ed Vasey, for How I'd Fix. From the price of a pint to the housing crisis, this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation. And hear practical solutions from those in the know. Catch new episodes of Howard Fix wherever you get your podcasts. Rebuilding Britain starts here. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's yet another humiliating day for the country coming up as the children that are tasked with running this country of ours continue with their fatuous squabbling inside the mother of all parliaments. The scenes inside the House of Commons yesterday were laughable. The decisions taken were monstrously stupid and the only way out now, surely, is to have a general election in this country and sort matters out once and for all. The only problem with that, of course, is that in order to have a proper election, everyone will need to know exactly what they are voting for since that is the new mantra of all who lost in the EU referendum. How can we ever have another election in this country unless each and every intention of each and every prospective MP is laid out firmly in black and white beforehand? And how can we have a general election where the choice is basically the same? Leave the European Union with a hodgepodge of regulations still clinging on to a fractured relationship or leaving the European Union with a hodgepodge of regulations still applying long into the future. It's enough to make you long for a dictatorship, isn't it? And as ever, the Independent Republic will sort it all out for you. Here's what I think. The reason to have an election is to kick out some of these MPs who have been so disloyal to their own party and to their own constituents that they frankly have no business sitting in the House of Commons any longer. 0344 499 1000. Coming up later on, we'll find out exactly what is happening on our borders in the meantime, as 27 men jumped out of the back of a lorry on the M6 yesterday, and we'll be asking whether you can ever be friends with your ex. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, the front pages of the newspapers this morning uh, tell a pretty sorry story of what went on yesterday afternoon uh, in the chamber. Uh, May's power ebbing away as she suffers another humiliating defeat is the front page of The Guardian. Tory rebels join forces with Labour over Brexit in The Times. May caves in on workers' rights to save Brexit deal in The Daily Mirror. And out of order uh, on The Daily Mail's front page, big picture, of course, of John Burko, this egotistical preening pop Jay has shamelessly put his anti-Brexit bias before the national interest and is a disgrace to his office. So says the Daily Mail. Well, I mean, we want to know what you have to say, of course. 0344 499 1000. We're stumbling from one crisis to another. There doesn't seem to be any kind of plan whatsoever. People talking about Plan B for Theresa May. I'm not even sure that Plan A is even in place yet. But uh, to find out precisely what is going to happen later on today and for the rest of this week and next week, of course, uh, we've decided to to rope in uh, a few experts 
and some of them, of course, will have surprising things to say and some of them may not. But first, let's talk to Peter Dowd, who's Labour MP uh, for Bootle, to find out what he makes of it all. Peter, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Welcome. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much for joining us, Peter. I mean, it is no less than a shambles, really, isn't it, at the moment? Um, well, I think that's a fair description of the way we're, where we're at in terms of, frankly, the way the government has negotiated for the past uh, for the past two years. And that is just a statement of fact. It's, an, it's a political observation rather than a party political point. We are. It's a sort of a mess of the government's own making at this late stage. They're saying, oh, we'll talk to Labour, we'll talk to these people. And whilst they've been just talking to themselves for the past two years. Yeah, but isn't part of the problem, Peter, that the reason why it's been such a difficult deal to negotiate is precisely because of the kinds of things that have been happening inside the House of Commons and precisely because of the sort of thing that happened yesterday, whereby, you know, nobody's happy because the people inside the Parliament are speaking for themselves rather than for everybody else. Well, not necessarily. Can I just sort of take the heat out of it to some extent and put it into context? For example... All that talk yesterday about John Berko breaking the rules, etc., etc. Right. For example, the government decided they were going to have a two-year session, two-year parliament. Now, for people out there, that sounds meaningless. But what that mean- meant is that the Labour Party, for example, is the main opposition, which usually has um, opposition day debates, they were cut in half. So we couldn't discuss many things. The government stopped us from discussing many things. They, in the finance bill, which is, the, is, the, is, is what comes after the budget, about all our finances is that the government stopped the Labour Party moving any amendments in effect. The finance bill is the first time it's happened in 90 years. They've curtailed our ability to challenge them in Parliament. They won't answer questions. They won't come to Parliament to, 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 uh, to be uh, held to account. That's the situation our Parliament is in, and it is a dreadful situation. And that's why yesterday... All the hypocrisy from the Tories about John uh, uh, Berko wants us to have this debate, wants us just to be able to amend legislation. That's what that was about. But there's been hours. The but Peter, hang on. There's been Peter. There's been hours and hours of debates on Brexit, though, hasn't there? Particularly in the most recent times, you have Prime Minister's questions every week. Jeremy Corbyn has equal opportunity to ask as many questions as he likes of Theresa May. Um, he's not particularly good at getting answers from her, but that's not her problem, is it? Well, 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 it is in a sense, because at the end of the day, if you can't get answers from somebody, what you're then able to do is to say, we haven't had an answer from you, we don't like the answer that we have from you, we are now going to try and do something, amend the piece of legislation, change the legislation, for example, to do something differently, and the government hasn't allowed Parliament to do that. And effectively, yesterday, and in a couple of votes we've had before, Parliament has said to the government, to the Prime Minister, to the executive, those 20-odd people in the Cabinet... Enough is enough. We, as Parliament, the sovereign body, want to be able, if we wish, to change the law. And that's effectively what was happening yesterday. And all that cant and hypocrisy from from many of the Tories yesterday about the Speaker, you know, allowing Parliament, for God's sake, to have its say. How dreadful is that? How awful that Parliament has actually allowed to have its say. Well, I mean, the reason why the reason why they're all up in arms about it is because I think of the way that they believe that he kind of uh, engineered that particular decision. Because uh, we heard, I think, from uh, another MP who said that he was trying to put down a motion. He was trying to put down an amendment at the Speaker's office the night before, but he was told he couldn't do it. And so, you know, there's a little bit of murkiness, it would appear, to those of us looking from the outside. Uh, We're going to talk to Kate Hurry now, who's Labour MP, of course, for Vauxhall here in London, because I'm pretty sure Kate uh, is not going to agree with much of what Peter had to say. Kate, very good morning. You're welcome. Good morning, Mike. Thank you very much for joining us. I mean, I can't understand why people like Peter don't get what it is that the British public want them to do. 
because I think inherently there are, as I think you mentioned, the, you know, there is a majority of MPs in Parliament who are remain, who mm. voted to remain and who have not changed their minds and they may say they want to honour the referendum result, but they have done everything possible to stop that. Now, I actually don't think Labour genuinely wants to stop Brexit, but of course they are in opposition mm. and so there is this kind of confusion sometimes between being op- in opposition and opposing things for the sake of it almost and actually uh, you know, opposing something that's to do with Brexit. Um, the, uh, Jeremy Corbyn will be is wants a general election, and he will do anything he can to get that. So, you know, the confusion and the the difficulties over Brexit is making it, in his view, and probably most Labour Party activists' view, more likely to have a general election. My view is, you know, I'm happy with the general election, but that's not going to change the situation uh, in any way because we are on a a deadline of the end of March, um, which I very much um, know is a legal date. It is, but it can be extended, can't it? It it can be extended if Parliament decides, you see. And this this is the issue where the Speaker... Issue, way he behaves is so so important because one I've been in Parliament a long time and one thing that we've always seen is the Speaker to be someone who is impartial. It yeah. doesn't mean that he doesn't have his own views, um, but the way we have seen this Speaker handle it from just after the referendum is that he genuinely seems to be absolutely determined to do whatever he can. Yeah. Uh, he says it's upholding the the will of backbench MPs, but actually. It's upholding the will of those Remain MPs yeah. who are spending a lot of time in cosy little chats with them, working out ways to slow everything down, make it look like um, you know everything is in chaos, and then um, try and push the Prime Minister and the government into a position where they will say, oh, well, um, look, we've got to extend Article 50. We've got to, um, you know, we can't go on and go out um, with on WTO yeah. rules. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm... I'm genuinely very ashamed of what's happening in Parliament. I think it's quite shocking. I think I it think is, it, yeah. I agree it, with you. It's more than, But it's more than just shocking. It's actually dangerous mm. because people out there, I have never seen such a lot of you know, anger and feeling that people are being let down, that mm. they're being ignored, they're not being listened to. Now, and I know that you know, 48% of the country voted to remain, but I believe that the vast majority of those 48% don't like what is happening because no. we did we were told this was to be a final a final vote sure. a once in a lifetime decision and it's just been hijacked by predominantly lawyers in the House of Commons. Well, I can see that. Uh, I can, you can see the fingerprints of lawyers because I've unfo- had the misfortune of working with a lot of lawyers over my uh, various different <laughs> jobs. And they are obfuscators. They are people who will never give you a yes or no answer. They will people who no. will always find a reason to quibble about something or other um, because it's just in their nature. And the problem I see here, Kate, is that not only uh, is the Speaker in cahoots with some of these Remainers, but that there's probably a strategy, long-term strategy, to continue to stymie and block at every possible opportunity yes oh i i i think you're absolutely right and i think what uh where in a way uh, many of us perhaps on our side of the debate on brexit um failed was that we didn't you know we genuinely i genuinely was perhaps naive enough to assume that um 
you know, we had voted to leave, we would go through the process. Yes, it would be long-winded because that's the way the EU has made it as difficult as possible to leave. Um, but it, it would happen. Mm. And then, then when we just see gradually more and more people uh, that looked like they've been actually conniving and were it working on this from from day one. But, you know, I'm still, I'm, my, my view is, that, you know, any of the amendments that have gone through so far, it doesn't change the situation if the government keeps its nerve. Um, but, you know, that, that is my worry that um, the Prime Minister in the end will will kind of buckle yes. in some way. I mean, there's nothing, if, if we carry on as we are, and no matter what Parliament says or does, we should be leaving on the 29th of March. And I'm perfectly relaxed about a WTO arrangement. There will be some, you know, issues and problems, but work needs to be going on full full uh, pace now yeah. to get everything sorted out for that. And we've heard the Calais side of, you know, the uh, um, customs side from the French side saying that there isn't a problem. They yeah, don't see what the issue is. And it's just being made into this huge, huge issue. And the media hasn't helped. I mean, I'm not blaming you, but the media hasn't helped by continuing to use words like crash out sure. and cliff edge and that kind of stuff. It's just rubbish. And we, I think my message to leavers out there and people who voted to leave and believed that Parliament would deliver it is to, you know, keep keep strong, keep making sure that you're in touch with your your MP if they're looking like they're someone who's not going to be supporting leaving. And, um, you know, we will not let this, we will not allow people's votes to be oh, ignored. As, as we would say up with this, we will not put... Let's talk to Craig, uh, who's in Oxford. Hello, Craig. Afternoon, Mike. Afternoon. What have you got for us today? Um, well, I was listening to you earlier talking about how um, go for a general election. Yeah. And I find myself in a rare case of disagreement with you, okay. unfortunately. Well, listen, um, that's all. You... That's what we're here for. I can't, I can't <laughs> have you agreeing with everything I say. That'd get boring. <laughs> yeah. If you ran through, if they called a the general election, you ran through the sequence of events, the same pig-ignorant politicians are going to stand under the same banners yeah. and more likely get re-elected. Well, and we see that's um, where there's a flaw in your argument because my reason for having the election is that now we know, I mean, as, as the Remainers are always telling us, now that we know so much about the process, we should have a second referendum because we're better educated. Now that we know precisely um, how treacherous these characters have been, we can vote them out. You could, if say the Conservatives put second candidates in against them. Um, to run into, but you're going to half the vote and hand the seat to Labour. The only way to do it is to kick them out of the party and run by-elections. Yeah, well, that, that's, so that they, that's a possibility. I mean, I was suggesting that for those 20 rebel MPs the other day uh, who voted oh yeah, against the government. And there's a few government. more that could go with them. Yeah. There, there are certainly a few more that could go with those 20. Yeah. Um, the, the chances of, of winning the by-elections, I think, are pretty good. Um, the question is, if you kicked them out now, would that stop them from harming the party any further? Or do they just simply not have the numbers um, to be able to afford to do it? Well, I mean, I think the point is at the moment that, that all of the MPs, even those who are voting against Theresa May, are basically saying that they would not vote against her in, in a situation of a vote of no confidence. So in that sense, you know, they, she's not going to kick him out of the party. I just think it's time we had a bit of a kind of a, a deep clean of Parliament, if you like, so that we can actually, you know, start all over again with some people who will do what they're uh, required to do and do what their job is. It would be a refreshing change, and if they could extend that cleaning to the House of Lords as well, it'd be a. Uh, well, there's amazing. way too many of them, isn't there? There is, unfortunately, but then it's a meal ticket for life, isn't it, for them? Yeah, I know. Effectively, it is. Well, we and did a thing about it the other day, where some of them, including Lord Sugar, and I, I mean, I'm not having to go at him for it. I'm just saying that you know these people turn up less than maybe ten or fifteen times a year. Uh, they're not ripping us off because they're not collecting the money, but some people are collecting the money by just showing up and then leaving again. 
Uh, and there's more than 800 of them now, which is far too many in my view. Well, it sounds like their jobs could be taken by robots pretty soon, couldn't they? All you've got to do is turn up and sign <laughs> in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they don't even have had to leave, do they? But they're good. And also, the good thing about robots is they wouldn't have to consume anything, so they couldn't have any expenses. They wouldn't need to be put well, up anywhere for the night, so they didn't have to charge for accommodation. Don't charge for transportation because they can stay where they are. It's, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a bright future, I think. I think it's a massive slap. Terminator Parliament. It's the way forward. Sure, clearly. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Craig, thanks very much indeed. Craig there uh, calling in, as you can, uh, to 03444991000. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going down to the tent uh, in Westminster tomorrow. So uh, luckily I shall be uh, putting on my very warm coat. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Please don't... Pretend that we'll stay friends Cause you know as well as I do that that Well that just never happens This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Paul says, I'm currently on a voluntary week-long break from Facebook and I've never been so bored during work time visits to the Kazi. Uh, thanks, Paul, for that. Uh, very kind of you to let us know. Uh, here's one from uh, uh, Steve. He says, I thought uh, the MP stood for election on the basis of their party's national manifesto. If you only want to represent your constituents, then surely you would stand as an independent and thereby not be beholden to any party rules. I think that's a very good point. I've been having a, a couple of toing and froing arguments with people on Twitter this morning, uh, all about basically whether the MPs individually represent their constituents. For example, Kate Hoey's constituency, I'm told, voted rather largely to remain in the European Union and she is a massive Brexiteer. I think not, because in the end, as an MP, you represent all the people in the country. Yes, you have to look after your constituents in a sort of micromanaged way if they come to you with a problem. But as far as who you represent, you represent the British public. And if the British public is voted to leave the European Union, then as an MP, that is what you must carry out. For heaven's sake, it's exactly what you should be doing. Uh, Nicholas says, Twitter lists are excellent, MG. Been using them for years. I have many, and they are a great way to filter conversations. And that's all fine and dandy, and I have no problem with filtering conversations. However, one of the problems we've got in this country, and one of the reasons we are so divided is that people only talk to other people that they agree with they don't talk to people they disagree with and so therefore you end up with this kind of ridiculous echo chamber scenario whereby everybody who has an opinion on a political situation thinks that everybody else agrees with them and when they find somebody who doesn't agree with them they're so shocked that they go into sort of attack mode and start being really nasty and horrible and and uh, sort of dismissive of people because they don't think that their, their point of view is in any way worth thinking about or debating and that's where the problem of listening is for me because I don't want to just listen to people that I agree with. I quite like arguing with people who I disagree with. That's part of life, isn't it? 0344 499 1000 is the number. Uh, we're going to move away from politics though briefly because a strange story this morning uh, came across our desk and it was all about Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin. Now she and Chris Martin split up, of course, famously uh, consciously uncoupling with each other uh, some years ago. She's now remarried to a guy called Brad Falchuk. They went on honeymoon uh, over to somewhere like the Maldives or the Seychelles 
Newcastle somewhere. Uh, and Chris Martin joined them on honeymoon. And it got us thinking about whether you can ever really be good friends uh, with your ex, whether it's an ex-wife or an ex-husband. We were talking about Jeff Bezos earlier, uh, $140 billion worth of money to split between him and his soon-to-be ex-wife. Let's talk to Emma Kenny, a psychologist and relationship expert, to find out if it's really on that you can continue to have a relationship with your ex uh, while being married to somebody else. Emma, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much for joining us. Now, I mean, we're not unused to seeing stories about Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin behaving in a way which is unlike the way that anybody else ever behaves. But, um, I mean, does this sort of thing go on very often? Oh, it's quite rare. Yeah. Absolutely, it's quite rare. I mean, you'll be aware, as you were just mentioning, the Bessel case, it's all to do a lot of the times with the way that the finances are dealt with, the Mm. way that this divorce is handled. So you will usually get a good outcome in relationships that break down where the money has been dealt with fairly, where hopefully there hasn't been too much betrayal because that's another thing that causes contentious issues within relationships and bitterness. And, of course, if you feel that the children need to be put first. So if you put your children first, and I can speak from experience both as a practitioner and personally because my own husband, my first husband, had an affair with my friends. So if I had used that, as my point of reference, I would have been bitter and hostile. Mm. But instead, if you put your children first and say, you know what, children make mistakes, and therefore let's do this in the best way possible, you can have quite a good relationship with your ex. I found that to be the way. And I think that those two, initially, when I heard the term conscious and coupling, I did kind of just grimace and was like, oh, it's <laughs> a little bit like they're just doing something very modern and oh, aren't we just so different to everyone else. But actually, their behaviour as exes have been pretty unusual and pretty fantastic. And I imagine their children have suffered very little because of their breakup. So if that is the result, then that's a really good result. Yeah. A really good result. But do you not suspect, as I do, that much of this has to do with how much money you've got as well? Because if you're in the midst of oh, a divorce right. and you've got right. one millionaire on one side, another millionaire on the other side, whether or not you're going to squabble about little things, it doesn't. You're not going to have to have you know give anything up or or lose anything if you like. You know, same with Bezos. I mean, him and his wife have issued a statement in which they look as if they are the happiest people alive. Uh, and why on earth are they getting <laughs> divorced? You might wonder. You know, but but basically, if you've got you know a limited amount of money and one house to sell and you have to sell it maybe at a bit of a loss because you're leaving uh, each other and you have to t- take the kids somewhere else you know suddenly there's more pressure on you and it's more difficult to be civilized yeah, if you know that what was I mean. my situation that was my situation yeah. um, and i think that in the moments where you're getting the solicitor's letters and the negotiation causes you panic because you can lose your home and you haven't got enough money to pay bills which is certainly how i found it many years ago yeah it is very scary but what you have to do when any relationship expert will say and any kind of counsellor any kind of relate organisation they will tell you the best thing to do there is to future focus so it's all about saying yeah this is now but in 20 years time I'm going to be stood by my sons at their wedding not feeling that there is a broken dysfunction in my family and I did that and I think that was very helpful but you're right if you're very rich and you're very successful and you're not really going to lose very much apart from the person you no longer want to be in love with and there hasn't been betrayal, i.e. you don't still love them, then obviously that's a far easier thing to do. But it's also interesting though, isn't it? Because that's quite a publicity stunt as well. What we do know is there have been significant betrayals. So whether they are consciously uncoupling as Gwyneth was or whether it's a little bit more a publicity stunt, well, that's very different. But money makes a huge difference, you're absolutely right. And how you respect your ex and how you treat them with dignity and you also understand their hurt. And if you make it fair, if you make it equal and you put your children first, 
that relationships can be good. I mean, it's always strange, even now, my, myself, you know, going to my older boys, like, um, organisations like Parents Even, you know, there's me, my current husband and my ex-husband sat there in a very dysfunctionally functional way. But yeah. How, do they get on with one another? Yeah, very well. Very See, well, actually. Yeah. See, very I, f- well. I find that would be quite weird because, um, I mean, I know from from just my own experience as well. I've, I've I've known people who got divorced from their from their husbands and then remained friends, but then later on you discover actually there was still an awful lot of resentment there, and there was still an awful lot of bad feeling, which sort of yeah. came out, you know, maybe later on when one of them died. You know what I mean? It's like it's a little bit too good to be true, I think, to expect it. I think as well there is a difference between getting on. And being considered great friends, if that makes sense. So me and my ex-husband, we get on very well. We sit down, have a coffee, we can laugh about old times. My husband and him really do get on as people who could be mates. And my husband will always say, if you wasn't sex, we could be really good mates. So there is definitely a distinction between him being a friend right. and him being somebody that I get on with. But actually, right, it's not the same as a really great mates relationship. We do it because the kids benefit. And also, strangely enough, I think what ebbs resentment is time. So to people who are going through these very acrimonious scenarios, the lawyers will always say the only people who benefit in divorce are the lawyers. Well, that's true. So, listen, yeah. just, just let me hold on there for a second, see if we can get you on a better line, because your line is, is really not very good. But we've got Sean uh, in Gospel who wants to say something about uh, this whole scenario and conscious uncoupling and being friends with your ex. Sean, uh, very good morning to you. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, this is really interesting, this conversation yeah. about whether you could be friends with your ex or right. not. I, I, I had a, a child with one of my ex-partners, right. and... I, I just couldn't countenance a situation where I'd be going on holiday with her together. Right. Um, it's it's just a bit weird. I mean, we 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 get on like civilly for our for our child, obviously. Yes. And everything's like amicable that way. But I, I mean, I are there are there ever times when are there times when you're together looking after the child, or do you always have it separately? No, no, we we've insisted on that um, ever since we split up um, ten years ago that it it would be sort of on, on separate time because right. my time with my daughter is my time. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to share that, if you see what I'm saying. Sure. I wanted to be that, just us two together. And obviously now I've met somebody else. Yes. Um, obviously she's involved with my daughter's life, but everything. And how tricky was that, that to do? Because that can sometimes be a bit of a catalyst for problems, can't it? If you suddenly have a new partner and then your old partner doesn't fancy the idea of, of the, the child that you share together, spending time with your new partner. Well, she got married before I met my new partner. And when she first got married, it, it wasn't comfortable for me. But I, I kind of just had to accept that my daughter was going to have, um, like, another man in her life, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and that was kind of a process for me. Right. Um, and I just, it is a, essentially, I compare it to like being like a sponge. You just kind of have to suck it up, basically. Well, yeah, because... there, are, there are bad things that you know are coming and you have to just deal with. Let's go back to Emma. I think we've got on a better line. Emma, I don't know if you heard Sean's, uh, yeah, Sean's story yeah. there. I mean, I think Sean's probably fairly typical, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think particularly getting used to your partner or you and your new partner being an item it really does change the way that you feel, one, about your ex-relationship, but also about how the other person's doing. Mm. Because obviously in ex-relationships, we don't necessarily feel that comfortable if our ex-partner seems to be really happy and thriving. That is hard. And certainly my ex-husband has two new babies. So 
when I look at that, I can genuinely say that did cause a bit of jealousy, really, because I thought, oh, they've had new babies, and I haven't got any more babies. Right. But I agree completely. You have to kind of manage your emotional vocabulary, both with your kids and with your wider world. who um who left his wife remarried uh, had some uh, more children uh, quite late on in life and his yeah. his daughter from the from his first marriage got married and his daughter at the behest of her mother said to him hey, you can come to the wedding but you can't bring um the other family so oh, that's i was a shame. yeah i know but i was amazed that he he went along with it right and said okay so he installed his new wife and kids in a hotel nearby and went to the wedding on his own which i would never have done um, no, I agree. And he then had a, a glass of wine thrown in his face for good measure by his ex-wife. <laughs> so, I mean... So, you know, pretty ridiculous situation. situation. But it listen, is a ridiculous situation, definitely. Yeah. And also, if you put the kids first, that will never happen. That's the rule. Put your kids first. They didn't have a choice in the breakup. You do have a choice in how to handle the breakup so they don't feel it. No, indeed. Emma, thanks very much indeed. Emma Kenny there. Let's just go back to Sean briefly. Sean, so, I mean, it's all, it's all kind of... It sounds like it's all relatively under control in your world then. Yeah, yeah, definitely, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I should be clear. I mean, she's. I'm happy she's moved on and she's met somebody and got married and everything else. It was just that original phase when you discover that somebody you you've been in love with has met somebody yeah. else and has decided to get married, and that man's going to be involved in your daughter's life every single day. Sure. I, I found that really hard to grasp at first, um, but eventually. Like I say, you just kind of have to suck it up because it, it is the way it is, basically. Yeah, no, exactly right. Listen, Sean, thanks for the call. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Public and Mike Gray, Matthew Wright coming up at one o'clock. He'll be here, of course, uh, shortly before that to tell us what's coming up uh, on his show. We can still take some calls from you as well. 0344 499 1000. A couple of you have tweeted in after my conversation with John Mortar earlier about taking a break from social media. Tom says, uh, I've done this with Facebook over the last six months. Great mental benefits. I'm still on Twitter, but I feel like I'm actually learning stuff on here. Uh, Mac the Mouth says, how interesting. I'm currently on a Facebook diet as we speak. Temporarily disabled my account. What that translates to is I've spent more time on Twitter, absolutely despondent at what I'm reading, uh, more so than on Facebook, and arguing with strangers instead of people I know. (laughs) So that's not necessarily a great thing. Funnily enough, though, of course, when you do disable your account on Facebook, uh, they make sure that uh, you can't disable it completely, don't they? They make sure that you have to then go back and disable it further uh, if you decide uh, that you actually really don't want to go back on it anymore. It's very, very difficult to actually leave Facebook 
they want to keep coming back at you and offering you the opportunity to to, to, to spend more time there. So uh, it's a fairly insidious situation. And uh, I'm sure, although the Australian study doesn't show uh, any particular benefits by not spending so much time on it, it can't be good to spend too much time uh, on social media because all you'll get uh, is wound up, quite frankly. 03444991000 by people like me who do it for a living, of course. Let's talk to Monica Price, a woman who's not very easily wound up at all. A nutritionist, of course. Uh, she was uh, a guest on uh, a big video here at Talk uh, Radio that went viral the other day. Monica, welcome back to the to the fight. Hello, Mike. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. I've spoken to you. I know it's a bit late, but better late than never. Don't worry. I, I'm, I'm almost <laughs> certain we may be beyond the point of wishing each other Happy New Year, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to throw you out the studio or anything. So don't worry. <laughs> Now tell us, Delicious. tell us about this story about love handles and dementia because it te- it's, yes. it, it's it's going to describe an awful lot of people. This isn't it? It, it is absolutely. And this is not the first study, Mike, that's been done like this. Actually, this mm. is there's been quite a few studies about um, weight that people carry around their bellies. So love handles, beer bellies, whatever you like to call them. Yes. Um, they it, it's very very common. It's um, visceral fat is what it's called. Mm. Um, but what it does that fat alone, because it's particularly there around our middle, it releases different different hormones than any other fat in our body. And um, as we know, obesity is a huge problem at the moment in the UK. And with any kind of extra weight obesity, that's going to trigger inflammation in your body. Mm. And of course, that in turn is going to put stress on your body. And they now the studies are saying that may impact your brain. So uh, yeah, how does that, how does that link uh, work, by the way? Because I mean, it's what well, I can understand how having uh, a bit of fat around your middle is not going to be great yes. for you physically. But how does it yeah. how does it how does it shrink your brain? Yeah, well, this is it. What it is, right, is where, when your body becomes inflamed, it causes such a, a major kind of hormone release in your body and it puts stress on your body, on every single organ, not mm. just your brain. Right. But, they're, but they're targeting the brain in this particular instance because um, obesity is and, and addiction is linked and gaining weight is also linked to addiction because what happens is, it's like anything. If you sit and eat chocolate and you don't eat it normally, say, when you have a piece of chocolate or a chocolate cake, mm. your brain, it sends signals to your brain it's like a pleasure it gives you pleasure and it makes you think oh that was delicious you know i want another one then it's up to you to decide whether you're going to continue to carry on eating like that and with with people that are obese in particular they kind of it, their brain kind of becomes desensitized to that pleasure hormone so what happens is it prompts you to eat more and more because you're trying desperately to get that same kind of pleasure feeling you were feeling when you first had your mm. first ever chocolate cake if that makes sense right and it's the same with any kind of addiction drug users have the same the moment you become addicted to something you kind of you, you're kind of going to increase you almost certainly going to increase your volume of whatever it is you're having because your brain simply can't keep up with the amount of food or, or whatever it is you're taking and it, it won't keep releasing those same hormones so that's where the link comes i think because your brain obviously is a very powerful tool and it allows you to decide what you eat when you eat and how often you eat but because of this the rays of um dementia they've now started to do these studies and it's happening actually particularly on middle-aged women actually they're, they're doing a lot of studies on, on middle-aged women post-menopausal to see if that's having any effect and there's been some interesting studies on that as well to suggest that you know unfortunately yes we're going to women are more prone to suffer memory loss um, which of course in turn could lead us to dementia so it's a bit scary actually Mike so you know my my thing as a nutritionist I would say you know just look at what you're eating particularly New Year's stuff 
parts, if you have got a lot of weight around your middle, you know, look, look at just trying to reduce something in your diet. You mm. know, just doing the smallest thing can sometimes have, you know, such a massive impact on your body. And, you know, the old saying goes, healthy weight equals a healthy brain. Yes. So, you know, there could be something in it. I mean, there's another research piece of information from the University of Cambridge that says women with slim hips are more at risk of diabetes yes, and heart yes. attacks, which is yeah. sort of a fairly new piece of information, isn't it? That's right. I, you know, I saw that one as well recently. And, you know, again, these studies all have, a, you know, they're, they're scientific studies, so we, ha- we have to take them on board as to as their findings. But often with these studies, Mike, a lot more studying needs to be done. You know, and sometimes when, when a study happens, you know, it can take years for it to actually say for a fact that this is going to do this. So that's why they, they always usually say it may affect your brain or it may impact your health or it may do this to you. But certainly... I would say because there's been, as I say, quite a quite a lot of studies uh, around this sort of middle fat, you know, a beer belly, love handles, whatever you like to call it. That there's been a lot of studies that are suggesting there is a definite link to the brain. So I would say if you've got that, think about, as I say, think about your lifestyle. Think about how ways you could actually lose that. And of course, it's not just about what you're eating. It's about trying to take up some exercise. And again, simplest thing: use the stairs instead of the lift. You know, try and take a walk at least. 10, 15 minutes in the day if you can. I mean, London's great for that, Mike, because, you know, a lot of people, you know, walk everywhere. So it's a, it's a great opportunity to try and, even if you just walk, park your car, even, mm. you know, a couple of streets away well, from quite where often, you need to be. Quite often in the middle of town, you can actually walk quicker than the cars Absolutely. go. I mean, I, I do that generally. If, I'm, if I have to get from here over to the north side of the river, uh, it's actually yes. quicker to walk across the bridge than it is to jump it on is. a bus or get in a cab, you know. Absolutely. So, you know, just by doing something like that, honestly, you'll see the benefits of that within a few weeks. And I think, you know, like with any study, um, this is quite a scary study and it will be scary for some people because dementia is on the increase. So and which is why these studies are now happening, you know, much more frequently. We're trying to try the scientists are trying to pinpoint or trying to find something as to the reason why dementia is increasing in the UK and why we have such a problem with memory loss. And, you know, and that is a horrible thing. It's a scary thing for anyone living with you know with memory loss and, and dementia particularly for the families as well so if it's something that you feel it's like anything Mike weight gain causes such a such a kind of array of, of diseases and inflammatory conditions it's important that you have an understanding of that and you know it's up to you it's your choice whether or not you take it on board and say do you know what I'm going to make some changes in my life to, so that I'm not even the slightest bit at risk No indeed well Monica thank you very much indeed for taking the time to talk to us Monica Price nutrition is there uh, with the link that has now been made scientifically between um, uh, a little bit of fat around the middle doesn't have to be a lot love handles a bit of a beer belly uh, it could lead you to uh, an earlier risk of dementia uh, because apparently uh, having too much fat on your body can help to shrink your brain across the uk online and on dab the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio so if you enjoyed that be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1 monday to friday on talk radio via dab online or via the talk radio If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.